All right, guys. Um, remember, I am uh, I'm trying to overwhelm you um, with information. Um, I'm I'm I want you to see this thing. The topic, of course, has been since I guess the first of the year uh, before that, isn't it? Uh, on the fear of God, and um, so when I'm when I'm coming to think there. My material is not exactly what you'd call well-organized. I just come to things and I think, I want to develop that. I want them to see that. I want them to see this. But ultimately, I hope at the end, you'll be overwhelmed. Not with, not with, that you'll be overwhelmed by the content to which you have been exposed um, in the scriptures concerning this topic. So, let's tonight start in Genesis chapter 20. Um... Now, guys, I think you know the story, kind of, sort of. Um, Abraham, the father of the faith, is up to his old tricks. You remember, uh, right after he had um, been, he left his home, he um, ran into a famine, and so he headed down to um, to Egypt. And Pharaoh saw his wife, and um, apparently, um, uh, his wife was quite a looker uh, because uh, Pharaoh snatched her right up, and then. And discovered that they weren't brother and sister like Abraham had told him that they were husband and wife. And so that uh, got corrected. But in chapter 20, uh, he's up to the same thing. He's doing the same. Now he's in a different land. He's in the land of Gerar, which is kind of, uh, it's north of Egypt. It's kind of the northern northern part of the southern part (laughs) of the Negev. But anyway, there's another king and his name is Abimelech. And um, he sees Sarah, and he grabs her up too, because um, Abraham has once again done the same thing. He has um, told folks that she is his sister. And so then um, uh, God gets involved, and you'll notice in verse 3, this is chapter 20, verse 3, um, uh, he says, uh, now Abimelech had not, uh, okay, um, where's, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by, by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife. And, and Abimelech said, well, I didn't know that. I mean, Lord, you'll not kill innocent people. Did he not himself say to me, she's my sister? Um, and then God said to him, okay, um, uh, it, it was kept from you, but I have kept you from sinning. That, that's in, um, verse, uh, six, um, uh, that don't, don't touch her, uh, return this man's wife for he's a prophet. But you know, the whole thing is really Abraham's fault. I mean, that's, uh, it's Abraham's fault that he, that Abimelech, uh, drew a conclusion based on something that he heard from the, Abraham. So next morning he gets up and takes his wife back, uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, back to Abraham. And, um, he, he asks, um, very reasonably, he says in verse nine, then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me in my kingdom, a great sin. You have done to me things that ought not be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Now here it comes. Uh, Abimelech says to Abraham, I mean, why did you do this? I mean, what is it that you saw among us that prompted you to do the, to tell this lie so that I would take your wife thinking she was your sister? Why, why would you do something like that? And look at Abraham's reply in verse 11. 
Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place. <laughs> this place, the uh, land of Gerar, it's a lawless place. It's a wicked place. It's a place where they will kill you for your wife. This place has uh, got no, no sense of right and wrong. Summarized how? Well, there's no fear of God in this place. And you know what happens when there's no fear of God in this place. Then young males start telling the world that they're young females. And... Um, same-sex folks are being married. Why? Well, because there's no fear of God in this land. And when there's no fear of God in the land, oh, anything could happen. Now, of course, Abraham was wrong. But that was his assessment, because everybody knew that. That was common knowledge. No fear of God, godless living. That's what happens when there's no fear of God. Um, so you get a, a glimpse inside Abraham's reasoning that no fear of God equals wickedness. Um, there's no fear of God, it's just the results is just godless living. And that's what, Abraham, that's what Abraham thought he was where he was. Right or wrong. That's not the point. The point is, if there's no fear of God here, these people will live. They'll do anything. And you notice that once this gets straightened out and Sarah comes, gets back to her husband, um, we're told that in verse 15, Behold, my land is before you dwell, and they, uh, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. And I thought it was interesting that he says to Sarah, Abimelech said, Behold, I've given your brother. Um, and I wonder if there's a little tongue in his cheek. Um, I gave to your brother, you know, the one you told me is your brother. Well, Abraham is enriched. Um, and, and very, very likely this is where he picked up Hagar. Um, but the, the essence of the situation is if there is no fear of God, there will inevitably be godless living. Now, <clears throat> how did all this godless living originate? Well, it's rooted in no fear of God. Now, to, let, me, let me go, let's go to another passage. I want you to go to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. We're only going to read uh, the first four verses of Psalm 36, but look at it, uh, verse 1. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There's no fear of God before his eyes. Now notice what the description that follows in verses 2, 3, and 4. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. 
He's a man that thinks, God will never see my sin. Well, I mean, if there is a God. But why does he conclude that? Well, because there's no fear of God in his eyes. Verse 3, the words of his mouth are trouble and deceit, and he has ceased to act wisely and do good. I mean, the guy's a big fat liar. Why? Because he does not fear God. Verse 4, he plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Oh, no, he welcomes evil. He plots out devices and schemes of, of uh, the, the perpetration of great evil on lots of people. Why? Because down deep in his heart, there's no fear of God. Now, guys, um, I think this is reasonable and, and, and legitimate to say, okay, if no fear of God leads to godless, wicked, lawless living, then what would fear of God lead to? How about that? And so for the Christian church to never be told and to never own the fact that we are supposed to be God-fearers has led us to the place where the Christian church is just full of lawlessness. I'm a law unto myself. You know, folks, unbelief doesn't want freedom. Unbelief wants autonomy. Freedom is one thing. Autonomy is that it auto, self, nomos, law, self-law. I'm the, I'm the lawgiver. When there's no fear of God, then I can live. Then I can be. Then I can set the rules. Now, I, I want to show you one more. But I want to tell you up front, it does not contain the word fear. But it did grab my attention because there's a comparison in it. And I, and I, I think based on those two passages that we've just seen, I think I can come to the conclusions that I'm about to share with you. Um, now, for the next 25 minutes, see if you can find Zephaniah. <laughs> uh, um, it's after Habakkuk. That didn't help much, does it? <laughs> well, just go to the end, the back of the Old Testament, and there you've got, uh, you've got Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Now, I want to start reading uh, to you from Zephaniah in chapter 2, verse 15. Um, and this is just, it's a picture of a culture, and it comes under the heading of a city. And he personifies the city. And, and, of course, he's referring to Jerusalem. But he's not referring to the city limits, folks. He's talking about the population inside Jerusalem. Verse 15 of chapter 2. This is the exultant city that lives securely, that said in her heart, I am, and there's no one else. Whoa. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. Listen, look at this description. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. 
Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice every morning. He shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. Now, um, before I make my comments, same chapter, look over at verses 12 and 13 with me. God is speaking and he says, But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Here's my point, folks. I see those two things contained in the same chapter of Scripture. And I say, okay, how do you explain um, a, a nation where her officials are a bunch of roaring lions and her judges are evening wolves and her prophets are treacherous men and her priests profane the holy and they do violence to the law. How do you explain that? What's gone wrong? Well, I think you can say, based on Abraham's comment in Genesis 20 and David's comment in Psalm 36, that the thing that is missing in Jerusalem... is that there's no fear of God. But then the people that God is after are these over here in 1213. A people humble and lowly. Do you remember over here back in verse 2? She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. Have you ever been there? That you don't listen to anybody? Well, I'll tell you why you do if you do, if you do, or if you don't. <laughs> There's no fear of God before you. Because the people that God identifies with are this humble people, this lowly people, the people who seek refuge in the name of the Lord. And they're the ones that will be left to stand. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a contrast, I think, about people who do fear the Lord as opposed to those who don't. And it all shows up folks, in our behavior, in our conduct, in our life choices. <clears throat> Let me show you another one. Oh gosh, I got... Mm. Um, see if you can find Psalm 15. Psalm 15 is a, a, a fairly well-known um, psalm. Because it starts with a question. And the question is, who shall sojourn on your, your, your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? That is, the question is, who's going to heaven? Who is it that's going to make it to heaven? That's the question of verse 1. And so then, from verses 2 to 5, he launches into a description of the people who were going to go to heaven. Ah, he walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Oh, wow, he walks blamelessly and does right things and loves truth. Oh, my goodness. Sure, different from those people over there in Zephaniah. Um, he, he, walk, um, he does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. Okay, this is the person that's going to heaven. 
in his mind, or in his eyes, the vile person is despised. But the same man honors those who fear the Lord. Do you see the contrast? You got the vile people, and you got those who fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, the man who's on his way to heaven loves to be around you. But I don't want to be around the vile person because they don't have any fear of God and they're not going to arrive at the holy hill. Gang, one of the things that you see if you, if you look more and more in this, at this subject you'll see that the distinguishing character trait of God's people, of a righteous man, is that they fear God, and those who aren't righteous and godly, they don't fear God. Of course, if you fear God, it leads to this life of obedient living. But the, the thing that you can use to distinguish which is which Is the fear of God. Can I show you just a few of those? I mean, um, I will confine myself to one psalm. <laughs> um, but it's a long psalm. Um, psalm 119. I, I'm just going to check. I mean, guys, uh, I'm just showing you a few of the statements that are made about this, this comparison. I'm not showing you all the verses in Psalm 119 that has to do with the fear of God. But look at 119.63. Um, um, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Who do I want to hang around with? Who do I want to be my friends? All the ones who fear you. What are, and what's, what, I mean, um, the ones who keep your precepts. And, and what's their distinguishing characteristic? Oh, they fear God. Oh, which leads them to, of course, keep your precepts. Uh, 74. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. Who is it that's going to engage with you and your love of God's word. Oh, just the people who fear God. How about 79? Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. People, people can come to me or you because they are... Um, Aware that you're a God-fearer. One, one more, um, verse 38. And this is all in one psalm, folks, and I'm not showing you all of them. Um, this is an interesting statement. Psalm 119.38. Confirm to your servant your promise. Now, what does that mean? Confirm to your servant your promise. I guess, guys, it could it could mean a lot of things. I, I, I guess, and I confirm to me your servant, your promise. Let me know that I am yours. 
Because the inevitable result of knowing that I am yours is that you will be feared by me. The inevitable result <clears throat> of my knowing that I belong to the living God is that I flesh that all out. Fearing him, which means I keep his precepts, which means I want to hang around with other people who know his word and that I despise the vile. You know, guys, um, I have been called up short this week. I have been rebuked by the staff. And you know what? The staff might be right and I might be wrong. I don't think so, but uh, uh, no, I mean that. I mean, uh, they might be because they were, they were somewhat alarmed, and maybe you are too, um, that I have prayed, I, I think I've prayed it three straight weeks, that um, Vladimir Putin would die. And, and they, they didn't like that, and I, um, I, I, they might be right. But let me tell you my argument. My argument is this. I mean, first of all, do you remember that story I told in here about uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse? And he taught a Tuesday night Bible study, and it was open to the whole city. And, um, and so a lady who didn't, uh, wasn't a member of his church uh, uh, came to this Bible study, and afterwards she came up to uh, Dr. Barnhouse and said, Dr. Barnhouse, um, um, I'm so glad to hear somebody teach the word who believes it because my preacher doesn't believe, he doesn't believe in the deity of Christ, he doesn't believe in the virgin birth, and he doesn't believe that the Bible is the, is the word of God. She said, what should I do? And Barnhouse said, Madam, pray that he dies. I can show you that in a, in the, I got that out of a Steve Brown book. Now, that doesn't make it right. But folks, have you, have you read the imprecatory psalms? Do you know what a, a psalm of imprecation is? There's about 11 of them, I think, in the, the, the hymn book, the, the psalmody. Um, and they are songs that, uh, they're things that state about the enemies of God, about dashing their children upon the rocks. and all. I mean, it's, it, there's a bunch of hard stuff in there. Now, um, I think, Based on that, and, and, and by the by, um, I also say that w when you speak about evil, you have to be somewhat bilingual. Because uh, uh, to the captors, Jesus was always very hard. But to the captive, or the captives, he was always very gentle. So if you're talking about the captors, the one that are promulgating all this nonsense, and um, then strong language is what Jesus used. And, you know, Paul in Galatians 1 said that if you tamper with the gospel and bring another one, then let them, let them go to hell. Um... Now, guys, but the, the, the staff is saying to me, but wouldn't it be better to pray that God would convert them? And you know, they may be right and I may be wrong. But I can say this. 
in the, in the mind of people who fear God, the vile are despised. I need make no apologies for that. And, and I'll let you work it out. I will say this. Um, the Bible does not give me permission to go and execute the vile. But I can pray that God would, and I do. Now again, don't claim that as the final word. I'm not sure I'm right. I think I am. But at least you know why I say what I said. When, it, when you see these, these comments about You've got this group of people who don't fear you, and I want nothing whatsoever to do with them. Well, you say, well, what about evangelism? I, I get it. I, um, I would say to you again, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Once I know that I am yours, then the right result of that is to fear you, which shows up in the keeping of your precepts, the uh, hallowing of your word, and the despising of the vile. Just to name a few. Those things are perfectly consistent with this idea of fearing God. Now, I, I have got one more point, but we have two minutes. And I don't have time to do that point in two minutes. So maybe enough for you to think about tonight. Um, just remember, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting early, which is supposed to change my reputation. <laughs> but we'll get to this point next, next week. Let's pray together. Our Father, might your people see the great beauty of the, the great grace of fearing you. You are not someone to be toyed with. You are not someone to um, take lightly or to uh, brush off. And might we rightly respond in knowing that we are yours to give you what you ask for and deserve, fear, and help us figure out, Lord, exactly what that looks like. There are certain things that we know for sure. Others are harder Help us sort it out. Lead us in a path of righteousness. Might we honor you by the way we represent you. Lord, if you have brought people here tonight who, have, who are not God-fearers, show them that what that absence of God-fearing leads to is a life of reckless vileness, lawlessness, godlessness, and wickedness. Show them that the only path out of that is one that is marked off with repentance and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.